Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. So we're talking about building a Christ-centered home. And here's kind of the, the, kind of the thesis thought or the underlying thought that came to me. When I was uh, growing up, there was a popular phrase in Christian music. There wasn't as much uh, popular Christian music when I was growing up, but there became this movement uh, of people who would say, we are not a Christian band. We are just Christians. We happen to be in a band. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. And that phrase just stuck with me just kind of in a weird way. You know, I, uh, I like to eat corn on the cob because I'm from Oklahoma and we do that sometimes. And uh, sometimes when you eat corn on the cob, this corn gets stuck in your tooth and you're like, trying for hours to get it out. And that's kind of how that phrase hit me. It was kind of like, Something doesn't seem right about this. And the more I thought about this, it's like, yeah, many Christians live their lives that way. We're just Christians, and we just happen to be married to each other. We happen to have a couple of kids. No, we're not just Christians in a family. We are a Christ-centered home. We didn't just, you know, we're not just trying to get along, stay together for the kids. No, we're building a foundation on Christ and the truth from his word, not just for us, but for our children, for our children's children, and for the future generations of our family. So we've been talking about this, building a Christ-centered home. Um, you know, um, last week we started, we, we, how are we going to do this? We talked about this whole idea of, uh, of, of the Beatitudes that Jesus gave us. So in Jesus, one of his most famous sermons that he preached, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew 5 and 6. You can read it. Um, but at the very beginning, there's a section called the Beatitudes. Um, and really, I think they're just attitudes that as followers of Christ that we should have. And he goes through this. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. And so we started really unpacking some of these beatitudes. Last week, we looked at the one that says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So we asked ourselves this question is, what are we hungering for? What are we pursuing? What are the things we're chasing after and investing in? What are we really hungry to see? Because scripture tells us that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we will be filled. And so if we want our, our homes to be built and established on Christ, it starts by, by asking ourselves that question is, what is my family? What, what in our marriage are we really hungry for? What do we really want to see? And if you missed it, you can get on our podcast. There's a link uh, on our website, victoryorlando.com, or you can subscribe on our YouTube channel uh, for video that way. Uh, but today I want to look at another beatitude. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, and it says this. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I don't think that Jesus is all of a sudden giving us an exposition on, you know, the health of our physical heart and the foods that we should eat and, you know, exercise so that our heart will be remain strong and, and pump blood throughout our body. Like, that's important, and we should focus on those things. But I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about in this text. As I read it, and you read it in the context of what he's talking about, he's really talking about blessed are the pure in heart in the attitudes and the thoughts and the motivations of our heart because the heart that he's referring to is not our physical heart in our body that's pumping blood, but it's the heart of who we are that makes up so much of who we are, what we believe, our character, the things we think upon. Scripture talks about let the meditations of your heart, meaning that in the things that I think about, the things that are really the deep things of, of me that make up what I really believe. When someone says to me what I'm thinking about and, and all that type of, like the heart of who we are, Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Um, so one of really, I, 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 we don't really have time today to really break down each one of these areas that Jesus is talking about. So I want to just zoom in, if we could, and focus on one of the key areas, which is really the obvious area in this statement where Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. So I want to talk about purity today, the pure in heart. It's kind of an obvious point in what he's saying, but uh, blessed are the pure in heart. Have you ever heard uh, someone describe themselves as a good person? I'm a good person. I don't get it right all the time, but I, I got a good heart. I'm a good person. Maybe you've described somebody that way before. Um, oftentimes, I hear people trying to uh, excuse someone's poor behavior or excuse someone's mistreatment of someone else by saying, well, they're a good person. They didn't really mean it. They have a good heart. And it's kind of crazy. Anybody? Just me? Okay. People say this a lot of times, and oftentimes, it's easy for us to think that about ourselves. Well, I'm a good person, and, you know, I, I might mess up here and there, and, but, but I, 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 I have a pure heart. Can I just say that's just not true? It's good. It's good. The truth is, is that um, without Christ, there's no such thing as a pure heart or a good person. Let me say that one more time. I got a few over, overwhelming amens right over here. Let me say it for this side. Without Christ in a person's life, there's no way we can be a good person or have a pure heart. It's just, it just doesn't exist. We, we can't be good enough on our own to say I'm a good person. Without Christ, I can't do anything to earn a place before God. But that's the hope of the gospel. So you know, even, even in saying that, don't be discouraged. Don't feel like, oh, that's just discouraging. Like I'm not... It, it's not a message of discouragement. It's not even to say that we're terrible people. Sometimes people swing way to the other side and they're like, I'm just a terrible person. I just don't know. Like, that's not it at all. But what we have to see is the hope of the gospel. Okay? In the hope of the gospel. Because people want to say, I'm good enough. I'm a good person. I must be able to get to God on my own. See, it's not a new spirit that's in the world. The spirit existed all the way back at the beginning. You can read the story of the Tower of Babel. They said, let us build a tower to get to God on our own. Listen, we cannot do anything to get to God on our own. We can't be good enough. God alone is good. That's why he sent Jesus. So we have to understand why Jesus came, that we needed Jesus to come because on our own, we're not good. So let's look at this uh, in Scripture today. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. Um, right, right there it says this. It says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Now, here a Gentile is referring to someone who is uh, not born a Jew, and he generally means someone who is far from God, someone who doesn't know God. And he says, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So people get in this vein of thinking, ah, I'm good enough. I, can, I got a good heart. I'm a good person. But did you see what Scripture said? He said that if this kind of righteousness doesn't come by being a good person. It comes from faith in Christ. So this is how, you know, a young single Christian lady, uh, you know, dates a, a unsaved young man and says, oh, they're, they're a good person. I know they don't, they don't love the Lord, but they're a good person. No, they ain't. And if you are a young single man dating someone who's not a Christian or you're a young single woman dating someone who's not a Christian, can I just tell you, if they don't passionately love Jesus and serve him and worship him and it builds you up in your faith and all those things, like, you, you might need to find somebody else. They're probably not the one for you. 
It's just, it's just the truth. Scripture is saying, it says, this kind of righteousness, whether you're a Jew or whether you're not, whether you know God or you know about God or you're far from God, all have sinned. We've all missed it. That's the good news of the gospel right there because if we don't recognize that we don't got it together, then we'll never recognize that we needed Jesus. We'll never realize, like, Jesus, without you, I'm nothing. Because if I think, well, I can be good, then it, that's really just an attitude of pride that I've decided I can approach God. And that's what even caused the Lucifer, our spiritual enemy, the devil, to fall. As he said, I will be in the place where God is. We just got to recognize without Jesus, we're nothing. We got nothing if we don't have Jesus. This is why I tell people Christianity it's not about keeping rules and all these things. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have that, you got nothing. You got nothing. He's saying here, he's saying, man, this is the hope that God has given us that in Christ, when we put our hope and our faith in him, that man, then God takes what was bad, what wasn't good enough, and makes it good, better, and best. Come on. I love that right there. God takes what wasn't good enough and says, you know what? When you come into Christ, you're not only good. Hey, I'm going to make you better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you become best because in him we're learning. We're growing. We're going from glory to glory, strength to strength. Come on. Give God some praise today. Come on. It's good. Woo, I'm going to preach myself happy in this house today. So we see without Christ, there's no such thing as a pure heart. There's no such thing as a good person. And Paul talks about this um, in his letters to the church. One specific in the book of Ephesians, um, he's writing to a church in a city called Ephesus. And uh, the people in the city would have been considered Gentiles. They weren't Jewish people um, that he's writing to, and, and they would have been far from God. And so here in this book, he's writing to them. He had been in their city. He had preached the gospel. They had, they had received Christ, and now they know God, and they've come to the church. And uh, Paul is writing this letter to them to teach them, to help them find some freedom in some areas of their lives. And he says here, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So in a moment, when we put our faith in Christ, we're made right with God. We're not made right with God by, you know, being spiritual or whatever else. We're only made right with God by our faith in Jesus. But apparently what Paul is saying is that there's something beyond that moment of salvation that is for us that he's saying hey don't just continue on like you were there's something more the, in other words the way we live beyond salvation apparently matters the way we think beyond that moment of salvation matters to God he says don't continue because that's going to lead to futility don't just be like you used to be because that that's not going to lead you in the right way he says people that continue to live that way he says they are darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Man, so people are separated from God because they want to keep doing their own thing. They're separated from the life of God, not because God is mad at them, not because God doesn't want to know them. In fact, it's the opposite. God did everything that he could. He gave his only son to make a way for people to know him. So that anyone who would believe, we just read it in Romans, anyone who would believe could be made righteous before God through Jesus. So God doesn't want people to be separated from him. He doesn't want them darkened in their understanding, not able to see what he is doing. But here, people find themselves in this place because they're wanting to do their own thing. They're continuing on in their own thing. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'll let you know when I need your help again. And they go on. I got that fire insurance. I'm good now. 
and people go on and go on and God. And so that's why we, we can know that hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Not a place he sends people that he's disappointed with or he wants to punish them. No, no, hell is a place that people can go and pay for their own sins and find their own truth and live their own way. But God made a way so that we wouldn't have to experience that because Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and that you would experience it in abundance, that you would experience everlasting life. And God knows he's not, he's not being a bully. He's not pushing us around. He's, he's just saying, I know if you follow that direction where it's going to end up. We know scripture says the wages of sin is death. It's not going to produce the things of God in, in our lives. And uh, God is a loving heavenly father, y'all. He's a loving heavenly father. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, the most loving thing that God can do is call us out of the sin that we're in. It's so loving because he knows that we're headed a direction. He said, if you continue that direction, it's not going to be good for you. Come on, come this way. Come this way. Um, I don't know about anybody else. I love going to the movies. Anybody? Anybody? Um, every, every year in July, we do something called At the Movies. And um, I am in full At the Movies preparation, y'all. Um, <laughs> You know, we put, we put in a lot of work to at the movies, and uh, it's this time of the year where we're watching movies, trying to decide, having conversations. And so I'm in full swing. Uh, I'm excited about uh, this coming year. I can't tell you what they're going to be. But we're in full movie preparation, and I already love to go to the movies, so I'm good with that. Like, I love going to the movies. And when I was single, I would just go to the movies, and, I, you know, I just go, and I don't need to buy anything. I just like to go watch the movies. But then I got married somebody, and now we buy the Coke and the popcorn come on come on happy wife happy life baby and uh, so we love going to the movies and it's interesting when you go to the movies you walk in and you get your coke and your popcorn you go they take your tickets and you walk into that the theater and the room is a little darker and you have to walk in and you're kind of maybe squinting a little bit looking for your seats think it's back up over there and it's interesting the lights begin to get darker the room gets darker but the longer that we sit in that room like our eyes become adjusted and we can see a little better. At first, you know, like, where's the popcorn? Trying to find the popcorn, trying to find the straw. But after a little while, I can find the popcorn easy. I can see and there's my straw because my eyes become adjusted in the dark room. But then the movie ends and we get up and we're walking out. And then you walk outside and you're like, I'm like, Paul, on the road to Damascus. I'm blinded by the light. You know what I'm saying? That's a pastor joke. And if you didn't laugh, I'm sorry. The jokes don't get better. <laughs> You know, it's so bright when we walk outside and are squinting and our eyes are watering and all this kinds of things because our eyes have become adjusted to the darkness. And so many people's lives are a picture of this. And this is the picture Paul is giving us in the scripture is that so many people, uh, we came into the light because before I went into the movie, like I wasn't squinting at the light. I could easily see outside. But the longer I was in and around the darkness, then the light seemed so much brighter than it was before when in fact it's not. But I was been in the room for so long. I've been around darkness that it doesn't seem as dark as it was initially. And people live their lives this way, getting around just a little bit of darkness, a little bit of impurity, a little bit of uncleanness, you know, a little bit of poop in the brownies. It's just a little bit. It doesn't matter that much. You know, it's just a little bit. But what we don't realize is that the more and more that we're around it, then, man, we become more adjusted and we don't even realize how dark things have actually become. And then we find ourselves sitting with our kids watching TVMA and we got to cover their eyes because they can't watch the sex scene in the show, but it's okay for us. And then we wonder why there's 
impure thoughts coming at us relentlessly in our mind. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, and I'm saying because we haven't even realized how dark things have actually become. He goes on and he says they've lost all sensitivity. And they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they're full of greed. And it's such a picture of our culture today. But I wonder how much of a picture of the church it is. We expect it of the culture. They don't have Jesus. They don't, they don't know. So we, we can't expect them to live by the word of God because they don't have Christ. But what about the church? Could it be that in our homes, in our marriages, that our hearts have become hard? We, our eyes have become darkened. We don't even realize how dark it actually is. And we're separated from the life of God. And now we find ourselves giving in to every indulgence and every desire that comes our way. Could it be that we've actually allowed some impurities in our hearts and in our family? And it's affecting us in more ways than we realize. Most of us, I think, if, you know, if we were to talk about our kids or our families, most people are invested in protecting their families. Right? We would all agree. We want the best for our kids. We want to keep them safe. That's why we invest in security systems in our homes. And, you know, I, I think about it even when I learned to ride a bike, y'all, I, I, just, I just had the clothes on my back. You know what I'm saying? And, and all the scrapes and cuts and Band-Aids on all those scrapes and cuts. But when my daughter learned to ride her bike, you know, she had knee pads, thigh pads, back pads, toe pads, elbow pads, forearm pads, upper arm pads, neck pads, chest pad, back pad, and a helmet on, you know, and wrapped in bubble wrap on top of it. Like, ain't nothing going like you might fall, but you're gonna bounce right back up because not just because we get back up because that bubble wrap's gonna, you know. We would all protect. I mean, we're our culture, our, our lives are invested in protecting our next generation, our kids, our families, and none of us would do something terrible to our kids, like make them go, you know, uh, eat, eat something terrible. Like if someone had coronavirus and they coughed on the pizza, none of us would take that and feed it to our kids. That's horrible. And please, disclaimer, don't do that. None of us would do something like that. None of us would, you know, throw, you know, like, get a pool of chemicals and make our kids get it. Like, that's terrible. Terrible. None of us would do that. And yet, so many people send their 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old uh, son or daughter out on a car date with someone, uh, another person they've never met before. We give our 10, 11, 12-year-olds a mobile device that's unfiltered with access to everything in the world we'd never want them to see and we call it normal well my kids in the fourth grade and they don't have an iphone 11 they call it normal we call it normal in our society to take our hard-earned money and spend it on things and entertainment honestly that would break the heart of god and then we get mad when we talk about giving to god Normal in our culture would be hiding and living a fake life, hiding behind the mask that we wear. No one ever really knows the depression we struggle with, that, that we're a ticking time bomb of rage, and we really hate people, and because we, we just want to be seen like everything is good. I don't want anybody to know that I'm real, that I got issues, that I, like, I've got things to deal with. I just want everyone to think, wow, they got it going on. How are you? I'm blessed. You know, what's going on in your life today? Blessed. I'm just, I'm just good. Nothing wrong. Nothing ever happening in this place. It's just sunshine and roses all the time, baby. Like, I don't know about y'all, but the last time I planted roses, I got a little dirty. Like, like, but, but for some people, that's like, I just want to be seen as perfect. For some people, normal, uh, you know, is sitting behind a closed door with a screen or a device looking at images 
or talking to a person that they have no business talking to. And people call it normal. This is normal in our culture. I don't know about y'all. If this is normal, then I don't want it because it ain't working. So you can call me weird. You can call me crazy. You can call me a fanatic. But as for me and my house, like I don't want normal because it doesn't work. I don't want normal. Normal is 50% of marriages ending up in divorce. Normal is, you know, kids growing up without a mom, without a dad. Normal is kids by the time they're 15, you know, terrible teenagers and drugs. Like, listen, I don't got a terrible teenager. I got an anointed full of the word and the Holy Spirit teenager. But it's not going to happen by accident. You can't just, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Mm, No, it's going to take some deliberate, purposeful things that we're going to put into place to build our marriages, to build our relationships, build our families on Christ and his word. We've got to do it on purpose. It's not going to just come by accident. It's going to take some work from us. So um, I want to look at some specific ways about how we do this because it's good to know. Okay, okay, this is important. What do we do about it? And can I just say, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, maybe single, maybe divorced, maybe on the prowl, maybe in engaged or married or wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, you know, uh, one of the things that I love about God that, I, that I've learned in my life is that uh, he never just leaves us in a place and says, figure it out. No, scripture says he always provides a way of escape. He always provides a way. He always leads us by his spirit. So no matter where you find yourself on that today, like just, just be encouraged. God is with you. God is with you. We're going to look at some specific things today. I, f- I believe it's going to fill us with hope and purpose for where God wants uh, to bring us uh, in the future. Honestly, that's why the Bible is full of warnings. Did you know that? Sometimes when you read the scripture, you're like, ooh, that's strong language. Well, it's a warning from our Heavenly Father. It's much like um, if your house was on fire. I hope that you've never been in a house fire, um, and I hope you never experienced that. But I, I know some people who have um, some dear friends of ours, and it's, it's, it's a terrible thing. Their house woke up in the middle of the night, and their house was engulfed in flames. And um, the interesting thing in hearing their story about it, and I think most of us would agree, is that the only thing that mattered in that moment was getting everyone out. Whatever it took, we're going to get everyone out. This house is on fire. Nobody would sit back in that moment while your, ha- your family's in a burning house and be like, well, I just, I just don't want to upset them. I want them to find their own way. None of us would say, well, they're just trying to keep me from having fun by getting out of this house that's on fire. That's insane. No one would act that way. But then we're like, God, don't tell me what to do. And God is here saying, the house is on fire. Get out. That's just legalism. No, it's the love of your heavenly father saying, hey, that way is going to lead to destruction. The house is on fire. Come on, get out of that place. I've got life for you. I've got blessing for you. I've got abundance for you. But it's found over here. Like we've got to realize like he's a loving heavenly father. Let's turn in your Bibles to Psalms 119 verses 9 and 10. We're talking about this. We're changing our thinking. We're changing our lives. We're getting focused on God's word and what he has for us. And if you didn't know, Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. So you can put that one away for Bible quiz night so you're ready to go. What's the longest chapter in the Bible? Psalms 119. I got it. All right. Verse 9, it says this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? That's the question we're asking today. How can we keep our lives? How can we keep our marriages? How can we keep our families on the path of purity? It's a great question. So many people are asking it today. Here's the answer. 
How does a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. It is simple. It's clear. So in other words, if we want to live lives of purity, we want to stay on that path, we've got to live according to the word of God. Notice the answer doesn't involve feelings. It doesn't involve following your heart. It doesn't involve following the latest and greatest thought leader of the day. It doesn't involve, are your opinions right or wrong? It doesn't involve, did I get the goosebumps when I went there today? No, it involves living in purity. Building our families this way is, involves in living according to the word. There's no other way. He goes on, he says, I seek you with all my heart. And when that happens, don't let me stray from your command. So in the seeking, there's something that happens. I'm seeking him with all my heart. Like, then I don't stray because I'm seeking him. I'm focused on him. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So when people, when we talk about like, hey, getting into the word and, and memorizing scripture and meditating on it, it's not to sound spiritual. It's not so that you can look better than somebody else. Man, he's literally giving us the pathway to build our lives on purity, to build our marriages and our families. Like, hide the word in your heart because there's going to come attacks. There's going to come moments where you need something to stand on. And if you're standing on anything other than the word, you got to look out because it's not something secure. Like, so he's saying, hide the word in your heart so that when the moment comes, you don't slip into sin. He's not saying, oh, you're just going to go be sinful, sinful on purpose. No, he's like, the, the devil is tricky. He wants to deceive. He wants to be sly. And so there's going to be moments where things don't look like, like, oh, that sounds good. Like, I'm going to hide the word in my heart. Does this line up with what's in scripture? If it doesn't, then I don't, I'm not interested. Come on, somebody. He's like, this is why it's so important. So in other words, if we want the blessings of God, if we want to see God moving like we sing about and we talk about, God, I want to see you moving in my marriage. I want to see you moving in my kids. Then it starts by living a life in purity. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. They will see God pouring his spirit out on their children. They will see God moving in their business. They will see God moving. Blessed are the pure in heart. It's so good for us to get a hold of this message today. And what we've got to do is we've got to open up and allow the Holy Spirit to move in deep places. Too often in moments like these, and like we, we try to stay surface. We try to stay surface, but like God wants to do something deep in us. He's more interested in you going deep than he is you going long. He wants you to go deep, to have deep roots in him so that when he speaks to you in his gentle voice, that you don't get offended or upset or, or push it away. No, like, we're going to go deep. So that's what we're doing today, opening up our hearts. Just allow them in today, even as uh, we're talking here today. And, uh, it, it's in this place, the living according to his, his word, where we find a life of purity. And, you know, it's so important because people do say things like, well, you better follow your heart. What does your heart tell you? Listen, the Bible tells us don't listen to your heart because your heart above is deceitful. <laughs> that's how people follow their heart right into adultery. Did you see the way they looked at me? And oh, oh, they talk to me and they make me feel so good. I just got to follow my heart. And they follow themselves right into divorce court. Like, don't follow your heart. Follow the word. Don't follow your feelings. Follow the word because all those things are subject to change. So whether you're married, whether you're single, it doesn't matter whether you're in between. Follow the word. And can I just say, all my single people in that house, where are you at? Let me hear you. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It, what we do today matters. The way we live today matters. So many times I hear people saying, well, one day when I'm ready to settle down, then I'll get it together. 
Uh, but right now, I'm going to smoke what I want to smoke. I'm going to sleep with who I want to sleep with. I'm going to live who I want to live with. I'm going to drink what I want to drink and do what I want to do. And I'm going to, one day when I'm ready, then I'll take care of everything and things will be good. But the problem is you cannot build a, a house on, of righteousness on a foundation of sin. So we've got we've to plan now for what we want for in the future. So don't just wait for Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect to come find you. Like, become that person. Like, while you're waiting, just become the person you're waiting for because you're going to attract the kind of people that you are. Sometimes people are like, well, I just attract all the bad boys or whatever. I'm like, well, it's just time to allow the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, am I, am I off here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so if you find, if you discover all your friends are gossipers, if you find that all your friends are always wanting to, uh, never wanting to go into church, never wanting to talk about things that are righteous or holy, never wanting to serve, like it's just, it's time, to, Holy Spirit, help me out. I need your help to make some adjustments in my life, right? So we're going to build a foundation now for what we want in the future. Just like if I wanted to eat corn on the cob this summer, like I'm not going to wait until the day I want the corn on the cob to plant the seeds, you got to plan it months and months and months in advance in order to have the harvest at the time you want it. So if you want to have a, a Christ-centered marriage and a Christ-centered home, start right now, baby. My pastor used to tell me like this. He said, he said Chris, if your life is right here and God is right here, um, this was before I met my wife, by the way. He said, if you would just focus your attention instead of on all the fish in the sea, if you would just focus your attention on drawing close to God, then the, this, the person that you're going to end up with is doing the same. There's going to be a point where you come together. But it says, each of you are seeking God. You come together in that place, right? And it's so true. We're going to plant the seeds of what we want for tomorrow. It's just that people, especially people in the church, we want to live like the world and just mix in a little bit of Jesus on the weekend. And it just doesn't work. And so now we have a church full of people who have the same values as the world, who don't want to change, who want to do the same kinds of things. And then they're upset when they get the same results as the world. And then they're discouraged in their faith. And God, where are you? You didn't do this for me. And he's saying, you didn't live according to my word. You kept living according to your own things. And then their vision becomes darkened. Their hearts become hard. And then they're like, God, I feel so far from you. I don't even know where you are. And it just, it, it's never going to produce those things. The, the, the reality is we don't live for a moment. I know it sounds nice. I'm living in the moment. But we live for a lifetime on this earth and an eternity forever. So we don't live for a moment. We live to make a difference in this life and to be in eternity with our Heavenly Father. We live to make a difference. And when we live this way according to the word, then the world will stop and be like, hold up. How you got all this working in your life? I know the things you're facing, and yet you have joy. Your marriage has made it through. Your kids are serving the Lord. See, the world will take notice when we begin to live differently than they do. Because when we live according to the word, we find success. We find blessing. We find joy. We find peace. We find strength. We, ha we find that we have everything we need to make it through anything that comes our way. Come on. That's a good place to give God some praise. So. How do, we, how do we put this to work in our lives? Y'all know me. Like, I'm a practical guy. It's good to be excited and encouraged, but I want to know, like, okay, what about tomorrow? 
because Mondays is coming, and I want to know, like, how do I take this to tomorrow? So I want to give us a couple key things today, um, a couple distinct ways to develop this heart of purity, this building our lives on this idea, like, we're going to be pure, we're going to have hearts that are pure and after God. A couple key things. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first one is this. we got to start with ourselves. So often people want to point it out in everyone else. You're not doing that. You better do this, and you got to get right, and all this kind of stuff. But that's putting the cart before the horse. Listen, starts right here. Starts right here. Starts with me. Before I get on to anybody else, it starts with me. I have to take care of what God has given to me. See, the world has uh, the world, and, and our kids and our families honestly have enough examples of do what I say, not what I do. They don't need it from us. They just need to be taught. They need to be shown what it means to serve. They need to be shown what it means to give sacrificially. They need to be shown what true love is, love that gives of itself and puts others' needs ahead of their own. So it starts with me. I don't need to wait for my wife to get it together to be able to serve. I don't need to wait for my daughter to get it together. I don't like, sometimes people are like, well, if if my spouse would just come with me to church. No, listen, I'm going to be the one like, I'm going to be in church whether they are or not. And like, I'm starting with me. I'm not going to wait for them to pray. I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to begin to be the one to allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And see, now knowing that Jesus is saying, hey, the blessed are the pure in heart, it's no wonder now that our spiritual enemy is on an all out assault to bring uh, an attack on purity because he understands that when we uh, when we can see God man our vision's clear we can see God but when we get pulled off into this impurity man our hearts become hard we become distant from God and we we lose sensitivity to the spirit of God many of us are in that place today where we used to be so sensitive in the spirit sensitive to the things of God but little by little impurities have come in and we didn't even realize it and now our hearts are hard and we've lost the sensitivity to the spirit if we're really honest some of us are in that place today scripture says proverbs 4 23 above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it guard it don't be led by it protect it so we've got to ask ourselves these questions where have i allowed impurity into my life if we really want to have a Christ-centered home, beyond the, beyond the good notions and the good intentions, beyond the, you know, oh, that sounds really nice, the Hallmark card experience. Like, if we really want to have a Christ-centered home, if we really want a Christ-centered marriage, like, we've got to dig into some of these deep places, maybe where it's, it hurts a little bit and say, where have I allowed impurities into my life? Where have I allowed impurities into my family? And really begin to honestly, with the Holy Spirit, begin asking these questions. Many times it's the obvious things. Like, you know, the the movies or the music or whatever else, you know, uh, the talking. Sometimes I'm amazed at, you know, things that people post on social media or the albums people are listening to, you know. And I'm like, that has the explicit lyrics warning on there. That should be obvious. Okay, it's quiet, so uh, let's review. Music that has that little black and white label at the bottom that says explicit lyrics means there's cussing in it. That's not of God. You and your children don't need to be listening to that. Okay, just making sure we understand. Some impurities are obvious, right? But some, honestly, I believe uh, 
I believe that a lot of the ways the devil comes at us are not always the obvious because if it was the big obvious thing, we'd be like, bro, that's so obvious. I see you, and that ain't right. I'm not getting into that. So what he does is he brings little things, little kind of tiny things that just tries to slip them in somewhere. Just, it's just like one little curse word here or there. Oh, it's not so bad. It's just one little, one little thing. You know, it's, it's just a teaspoon of poop in the brownies. Like it's still poop in the brownies. You're wondering, why does he keep saying that? Because it's obvious and it's gross. <laughs> but it's just those, those little things. I know in my life, that's, that's the way it comes. And, and it's those little things he wants to slip past us in the night where we're, where we're caught off guard and we didn't even realize it. And it's those little things that if we leave them unchecked and, un, and they grow in strength and position in our hearts. And if we don't deal with them, then they, we, we realize I'm drifting further from God. And our hearts are becoming harder and our eyes are becoming darker. So I have a couple things that I do in my life in this area, starting with myself. A couple key things that I do on a daily basis in my life just to help me in this process because, y'all, like, <laughs> I deal with the same things that y'all do, okay? And, and I'm like, I've just decided I am going to fight for purity in my life, in my life, in my marriage, and in my family because what I do affects my wife and my daughter and my grandchildren that aren't born yet and their children and their children. And I just, I'm going to build my family on a lifestyle of purity. So I have a couple key things that I do I'm just going to share with you just to, to maybe some, you can grab a hold of these. First one is I have accountability. Um, accountability, first of all, I have accountability with my wife. That means that I don't have a passcode or a password that she doesn't have. Um, that we talk about things that are going on that, you know, uh, at any moment, like, we can look at each other's device and, and have full access. Even when we're texting, I'll say, hey, I was texting this person. Here's what I said. Like, there's nothing to hide. There's freedom in that. People say it's freedom to do whatever you want. That's not freedom in Christ. Freedom is I don't have to worry about hiding anything. I can live free in Christ. There's no, so I have accountability with my wife, uh, even on, on the you know, things we're watching or listening to or whatever. Else. We, we, we share each other's location with each other. So at any moment, somebody can know where I am. Because I recognize even in the position that I'm in, it's important. Like we've had enough moral failures in the church. We don't need any more. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sharing because I want you to know, like I'm committed to living a life of purity. And, um, and we should all be the same. It shouldn't matter the position that we're in. But so we share each other's locations. We can look each other, like all those things. We take great lengths, and which aren't normal in our society, right? Um, the other thing that I do is I have accountability um, with some peers, with some brothers that I call brothers. They're not brothers. They're other pastors of other churches. And, and we've just decided that we're going to be brothers to each other. And we call each other that. We are brothers. And um, so we text each other regularly. We talk about, you know, the good things that God is doing in our lives. We talk about the struggles. We are open. Um, in fact, uh, the, a pastor in my life said it to me this way. He said, have the dagger conversation. And it was like, what does that mean? The dagger conversation is, you know, we hold information about ourselves sometimes when no one else knows that we think would kill us if somebody, if it got out. And the dagger conversation is, who is holding your dagger? If you're the only one, that's trouble. You need to give your dagger to somebody else, that they have the information to, that they shared would kill you. But they're not because they love you. They're for you. They're not out to destroy your life. That's the spirit, our spiritual enemy. So everyone doesn't need to know this. 
it's the right person. I need, I need someone who can walk with me through some things. So for me, I got some people in my life that are going the same direction. We want purity. We want to see God. We want, to, we want our marriages to make it. We want our children, like, like some people going the same direction. And I have accountability with that person. It's not just anyone, and it's certainly not everyone. But if I'm the only one, then that's trouble. So I have accountability in my lives, and we, we talk this way. So accountability, and it's so vital, you know, uh, accountability, because without accountability, there's no motivation for change. You know, we can be in a moment like this. We're going to pray in just a minute, and you can respond to the Spirit of God. God, I'm going to change, and then nobody knows about it. And then you go out of this place, and you go about your life, and then you just go back to the way you were because no one knows about it. It's, it's easy. You can do that, and people do that all the time. But when there's somebody that you're accountable to that will call you out on it, come on, somebody. Now there's motivation to change. We need each other, y'all. This is why we love groups in this church. This is why you need to be in a group. Because you need someone who's full of faith, who can speak into your life, who's willing to get in the mix with you and be like, hey, I need some help. Why don't we be accountable to each other? You need some of that in your life. So I'm never going to stop talking about it. I'm never going to stop preaching about it or saying, you need to be in a group. We need each other. You need it. And there's some amazing groups going on right now. Man, I'm so excited uh, about this session of groups, man. On Sunday morning, even like people are like, well, I don't have an extra day. We got a group right here on Sunday morning. He meets at 915 right here at Castle Creek talking, you know, basics of Christian life. What does this mean? Christianity 101, baby. Come on. We got some amazing groups, family groups meeting, uh, having family dinner and game night. The men's group. Come on, somebody. Where's my men at? Who? Who? Come on. The ladies group. What's up, ladies? Come on. There's some good groups out there. You need to be in a group. We need each other. Here's the second thing that I do on a regular basis and starting with myself is I daily pray these prayers from David, Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything in me that offends you, and then lead me in the way of life. Man, I pray these regularly. What am I doing? Is I'm opening up myself to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to speak in my life, allowing him to work through me. Show me what, what you think needs to change in me, not just what I think. Uh, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. Here's the second thing. If we're going to build our lives on a, a foundation of purity is we need to lead our families. So we start with ourselves, but then we lead our families. So what we have to understand in, in starting with ourselves is that we're not going to be perfect. So we can't wait to be perfect. I got to wait to get it all together to, before I can lead my family. You're not going to ever have it together. Like we're going to start. What I am going to do is day by day I'm going to take another step. I'm going to draw closer to him. And then I'm going to take another step and draw closer to him. The next day I'm going to take another step. Holy Spirit, what do you see in me that needs to change? I'm going to take another step. And in that process, I'm going to lead my family along the way. So I'm not going to wait for them to, like, like hey, we're going this way. This is who we're going to be. We're going to be people who give. We're going to be people who serve. We're going to be people who forgive. I'm not going to wait for them to forgive. I'm going to show them how to do it. I'm not going to tell them, you better be a better Christian. I'm just going to be a better Christian and be like, let's go, baby. Like, we we need people who are leaders and not just talkers and not just pointer-outers. We need people who can lead, who can show the way. So, man, that's what this generation is looking for. They're looking for people who can show them the way. They're trying to find the answers. It's just that the world is full of people who have their own ideas and their own truths that are showing the way. 
We're going to show the way. We're going to lead the way. The good news is that no matter where we are today, there's hope. There's help. There's help. And can I just say, if, if parents, if you're, you know, going through things, like, don't just speak to the actions of what your kids are doing. Speak to the heart. Speak to, speak, speak to beyond just the outward. See, Jesus, when he taught, he taught about the heart. He said, if you hate somebody in your heart, it's, you've committed murder. If you look at a person lustfully, you've already committed adultery with them. He's speaking of the heart. The, those people hadn't killed anybody. They hadn't committed adultery, but he's saying, in your heart. See, the religious leaders, and he would point it out, he said, all the religious people, they're focused on the outside. They want everything look perfect. They want to pray the biggest prayers. They know how all the right things to do. And yet on the inside, he says, they're, they're rotten, they're dead, and, and they're, they're wasting away. He said, it's like a cup that's shiny and clean on the outside. He said, but they were hypocrites because the inside of the cup, where the food goes, was dirty and filthy. So he said, first, clean the inside. Like, we got to speak to the heart. So no matter where you are on this today, maybe the Holy Spirit is stirring up your heart. Maybe you recognize, man, I've allowed some things. There's some areas my heart has become hard. Maybe you're the one, you've lost the sensitivity to the Spirit because things have slipped in. And the Spirit is stirring your heart today. Maybe you just recognize, like, I've felt distant from God. I felt like He was far me and I didn't know how to see him. God, I've, I've been praying, God, I want to see you moving. I want to see you like I haven't. And, and today the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart. You, you're opening up. I just want to encourage you today is that God never just leaves us in the middle of something. He always provides that way out. He always is ready to lead us out of something. And uh, there's, there's a scripture in Ezekiel 36 where the, the nation of Israel, they've, they've left God. They've worshiped other idols. And in, in what happened was is that their enemies came in and destroyed their nation and led them into captivity. But they, people began to turn to God. They began to re repent and come back to God. And God speaks this word to them. And I love it because this is the message from our Heavenly Father. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he says, For I will take you out of the nations, and I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your own land. So maybe your heart got hard. Maybe you lost sensitivity. You drifted away. You felt distant from God. You got into some things. Some impurities came in or whatever. And now you're, you, got, you found yourself stuck in a place. Maybe in an addiction. Maybe to an image. Maybe to a relationship. Maybe you've just been in wherever place. Depression or fear or anger or rage or whatever it is. And you felt trapped. You felt like you couldn't get out. And here God is saying, he says, I'm your redeemer. I'm going to take what seemed messed up and I'm going to pull you back in close to me. I'm going to take you from these lands and I'm going to gather you in close. You're not an orphan. I'm going to bring you home. I'm going to bring you to a place where I am close to me and I'm going to take what seemed broken and messed up and lost and the thing that looked like it was destroying and running your life and I'm going to actually put purpose behind it in your life. Like He's bringing us close to him and then look what he says. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Like you come in after a hard day's work and you get in the shower and the water's rushing over you. He's cleaning us. He says, I will cleanse you. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all of your idols. I love this next part. He says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you the hardened heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Do you, do you see what he's doing here? He's saying you might, you, might, you might have let your heart get hardened, but you better look out because 
I want to, I'm going to, when you turn to me, I want to take that hard heart that seems impossible to break up. I'm going to give you a new one. He's so good. And it doesn't stop there. He says, I will put my spirit in you and I will move in you. Some of us have just been waiting for God to move in us. He's saying when we turn to him, not only does he, he fills with the spirit. I'll move in you to follow my decrees so that you're careful to keep my laws. Do you see it? God wants to restore you. He wants to redeem your life. Like he, he takes what wasn't good and makes it good, better, and best. Like how do we have a Christ-centered home? It starts with building our lives around this idea of purity, getting rid of the impurities, getting rid of the idols, starting with ourselves, and then leading those that God has put in our lives. Can we just all over the room today just begin to jump to our feet? Just begin, just all over, let's get to our feet today and just begin to thank him. God, I thank you that you're redeeming my life. Just begin to, just begin to cry out to him. God, I have allowed these things in my life, but thank you, God, you're giving me a, a new heart. You're taking out of my life this hardened heart, Lord God, and putting in me a new heart. You're giving me your spirit. Lord, I thank you right now. You're pouring your spirit out on us in this place. God, we're crying out. We want more of you, God. We turn to you, God. God, right now, I pray for those that feel far from you in this place. Yeah, if that's you today, maybe you just feel far from him. You felt separated from him, even like the way the scripture described it. You felt separated from, from God. Maybe that's because You've never invited him into your life. You, you've never prayed, prayed that prayer to say, God, I need you in my life. Maybe you have, and you've just drifted away from him. And today is your day to say, God, I give you all my heart, all my life. I want to pray for that group of people first. If that's you, you're saying, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ today, whether for the first time or I need to give it to him again. Just right where you are in your seats today, you say, I need to give my life to Christ. Would you just lift your hands up? Right where you are, I want to pray with you. Right where your hands all over. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right there, you can put those hands down. I want to pray for a second group of people today. And you're the one, like man, this message is hitting home. This, the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart today. He's stirring you up because you recognize, and He's pointing. He's even already like highlighted some things in you, like that have crept in. Maybe you didn't even realize they've just crept in. And has created things in your life, and you're saying, hey, from this day forward, the past is, is what it is, but from this day forward, we will serve the Lord. We are getting rid of the idols. We're breaking those things down. And you're saying, Pastor, like, I need that. I need that heart of stone. I, I once was sensitive to the Spirit, but I, if I'm truthful and honest, I haven't been. And I need to get back to that place of sensitivity with the Lord. If that's you and you find yourself in any one of those today, just say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Would you lift up your hands all over the place? I want to put my faith in agreement with you today. Hands all over the room today. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, that you're filling us, that you are the Redeemer, that you are the Restorer of our soul and of our lives. So I thank you, God. It's never too far. It's never too late. It's never too bad for you, Lord God. I thank you that even right now that you are making us new, Lord God, that you're pulling those old things out of us, Lord God, that you're washing us clean. Just like the scripture said, you're pouring that clean water over us. You're pouring that clean water over us. If you need that this morning, just lift your hands to him and just receive it. Just receive his refreshing, his cleansing in your life. Maybe it's in your mind and your thoughts. Maybe it's in your speech. Maybe it's in your friends. And he's cleansing you today. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you are cleansing 